Support for Boston Public Radio comes from the Museum of Science, where their new exhibit, Changing Landscapes, an Immersive Journey, transports you to iconic spots around the globe to see how people are adapting to a changing climate. More at mos.org. And Mass General Cancer Center, dedicated to providing the latest therapies and cancer specialists who are experienced in your cancer. When you hear the word cancer, their team is ready. Learn more at massgeneral.org slash cancer. Wide. More information at gentlegiant.com. Welcome back to Boston Public Radio. I'm Jim Browdy. She is Marjorie again. A few days before the impeachment trial got underway, Harvard Law Professor Jeannie Sue Gerson wrote the following in The New Yorker. We'll get the worst of all worlds, a divisive impeachment trial that inflames half the country and that brings no vindication for the other half. Given the importance of condemning Trump's destructive actions, the message sent by an acquittal may be worse than no trial. And her words are her words already coming to fruition. On Saturday, Donald Trump released a statement regarding his acquittal. Here's what he wrote. Our historic, patriotic, and beautiful movement to make America great again has only just begun. He goes on to say, together there is nothing we cannot accomplish. Jeannie Sue Gerson joins us in line for her take on the impeachment trial and what could happen next. She's the John H. Watson Jr. Professor of Law at Harvard Law School and a contributor to The New Yorker. She's great reading in The New Yorker. Jeannie, good to talk to you. Thanks so much for calling in. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So I'm, I'm thrilled to talk to you, Jeannie Sue Gerson, although I must admit I was already on the edge and then I read what Jim just said, <laughs> that, we're, that an acquittal may be worse than no trial, the worst of all worlds, divisive impeachment that inflames half the country and brings no vindication for the other half. Well, it, okay, so is that where we are? We've had the acquittal. Are we in the worst possible place? Well, I'm trying to decide that myself. <laughs> but honestly, if we had had no trial at all, I think that that would have been worse. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> why? I'm Tell so us glad why. to hear you say that. Because it is really such a clear message of impunity for wrongdoing. To say not even any charges, not even indictment, not even any kind of response by the very Congress that was attacked by um, the rioters on January 6th and, and as a result of Donald Trump, Trump's actions, I, I think that that message of impunity is a bit lesser uh, now that we've had the entire trial and we've had the votes on the record of the Democrats and also several Republicans saying that they do believe that he has committed acts that deserve uh, conviction. So that is something it is, although I will say that on the other side, it, the meaning of an acquittal, just that bottom line, he was acquitted, it has all kinds of resonance for people. It can mean that he was right in his election fraud claims. For some people, that, that's what it may mean. And for other people, it may mean um, even worse things, that he has uh, a political future in front of him and that he could be running for office in just a couple of years. So I, I am I, I, I am a little bit I'm a little bit beside myself, but I do think ultimately at the end of the day, if I have to choose between no impeachment trial versus what we have right now, I'm going to go with what we have right now. You know, but Ginny Sukerson, I want to quote back to you something else you wrote that is another potential downside. And I want you to explain, if you would, what you meant by it. 
You wrote also in The New Yorker, the result, meaning the acquittal, the result may complicate any effort uh, by criminal law enforcement to indict Trump for inciting insurrection or even levying war against the U.S. We'll get to the levying war in a minute. Did you mean that politically or legally that it may complicate any criminal prosecution effort? What do you mean? Well, Jim, I know you're a lawyer, so that you'll sort agree of. with me that the two are extremely interlinked. Um, but I did really mean politically mm -hmm. that it com it complicates the meaning of a criminal law enforcement investigation and indictment because a lot of what happens with criminal law enforcement does in some way respond to and interact with what the public thinks is just. Public ideas of justice are not irrelevant mm -hmm. to what criminal law enforcement ends up thinking is worth pursuing. And so the fact that there's an acquittal gives a little bit of a message to law enforcement that maybe maybe we just need to move on. And so I I don't I don't think it's a, it's possible to just say it's a legal complication or a political complication, but I think in in the end the political complication ends up affecting the legal one. Mm. You know, there's also, and I, I'm not a lawyer, but the, the, the when you spoke just a couple of minutes ago, or seconds ago, about impunity for wrongdoing, um, the no accountability for wrongdoing part, the and which seems so unfair to so many of us, is a problem. But maybe we're just naive to think we can get that accountability through an impeachment or even through the courts. Well, I think that with accountability, sometimes it's not an on uh, on switch or an off switch that either yes or no, that you can think of accountability as a question of degrees. So we have had some degree of pursuit of accountability, some degree of people going on the record to say what they really think about the president's actions. That's accountability. It's not the full extent of the accountability that the impeachment clause of the Constitution would allow. Um, and we don't yet have the kind of accountability that criminal law also may offer. But accountability comes in various forms and uh, it, it, has, it has come about here that we have something, not everything. You know, Ginny Sue Gerson, speaking of criminal uh, accountability, from, we spoke to a former colleague of yours, Larry Tribe, last week, who said, uh, yes, there can be criminal prosecutions, even the statute of limitation hasn't run on the obstruction of justice things from the Mueller report that Mueller took a pass on. I don't remember if that Georgia County prosecutor had already said that she'd open an investigation. Of course, you know what's happening in New York on a number of levels. But I want to stay with this, whatever the federal statute is around insurrection or rebellion or whatever the hell that is. Uh, uh, in light of what you just said to me a couple of minutes ago about it, well, and writing about it complicating the effort, and I tend to agree that the political does affect the legal. Is there a case to be made, number one, against... Donald Trump under federal law, and two, if you were a prosecutor in that D.C. office, would you make it based on what you know of the facts now? Well, in something I've written previously, also in The New Yorker, I, I explored the possibility of liability for treason. Hmm. Yes. So that's the most serious charge, the, the, the most serious possible charge possibly in our entire legal system, uh, treason. And I think there's a very good case to be made, a plausible case about treason being committed by the people who actually directly went and committed the rioting. 
because it was uh, an act of levying war against the United States in exactly the way the framers would have understood that act. Basically, it's a rebellion or an insurrection that, um, you know, that gathers a, a group of people in a warlike kind of formation and, and then attacks physically with violence um, the United States, namely the, the Capitol and the Congress. So I don't really have a big problem with thinking of some of the rioters that way. Now, the question whether Trump is also, also guilty of treason is one that really depends on the evidence, the available evidence. And I think more evidence is still coming out. We saw more revelations during the impeachment trial itself, and perhaps we will see even more about Trump's actions. And it really depends on what exactly Trump was thinking, both before, during, and after the events of January 6th, in terms of uh, what he did to make that, make that event possible, more likely, and then during it, did he omit to do things that he should have done, given his role as the president and his role as having been at that rally where he egged people on? Given all of that, it's, it's, uh, it's important to understand that I think that um, it's possible. Right now, do we have the evidence in front of us that says, oh, he's guilty of treason? I'm not sure that we do. I think that we would have to have more to say that he intended for the events of January 6th to unfold as they did, and that also that um, when once they did unfold, he intentionally did not act to stop it in ways that he uniquely could because he was the president. So there's that. But, but wait, there so are I'm, other federal laws. Oh, right, I was just going to say, isn't there one around insurrection, rebellion, or whatever it is that that arguably he yes. be prosecuted under? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so th that's that's a little less um, stringent, and so short of treason, we've got a federal law that prohibits rebellion or insurrection that specifically says that if you incite any rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States or the laws thereof, then you've committed a serious felony. And that one also carries a disqualif disqualification from holding federal office. So that is, uh, you know, but essentially th this is this is the charge that he was tried on in the impeachment trial. Really, in substance, it's the same charge. And so the fact that two thirds of senators did not vote to convict may, just as we were talking about before, may tell prosecutors, well, we're not going to have public support for this. Um, if we decide to go forward. So that, that's the complication. But more evidence may come out that we don't know about now mm -hmm. about how he incited a rebellion or insurrection against the United States. And that, that, would, be, that would be something that we, we could look at at that time. Um, there, yeah, go ahead. No, you're going, you're, okay. Well, I'll just reintroduce you. Harvard Law Professor Jeannie Sue Gersons, who we're talking to. You, you mentioned, in terms of this acquittal, uh, willful blindness. W w elaborate on that. What were you talking about? Well, um, well, I think that I was talking about uh, willful blindness on the part of, uh, part of many actors. Yeah. And the one, one of them is, of course, the president that 
he's his entire defense really in substance at the trial was that he used terms like fight and fight just means fight like everyone uses fight elizabeth warren uses fight um aoc uses fight we all say oh let's fight for what we believe in and that's all that he was doing and um i think that that doesn't pass the laugh test for me that just the fact that the word fight is a common one that you see across the uh, English usage for many different things um, means that when he used it in that context, after the months that we had of him saying the things he was saying and the gathering steam of his supporters to try to undermine the election and the clear language of violence that was evident in their statements leading up to January 6th, given all of that, to say, oh, he was just saying, fight for election integrity. That is willful blindness on his part. That is willful yeah. blindness on the part of his lawyers. And that's willful blindness on the part of those who acquitted him of it. Yeah, there was a great, I don't know if you heard this, Jeannie Sue Gerson, that, 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 or Marjorie, if you did, I, I hope I get this mostly right, is that Jamie Raskin, when, when I think that Vanderveen character was talking about how he talked about peaceful uh, once in the uh, January 6th speech, and someone, maybe Raskin or somebody else, said, well, he mentioned uh, fight 20 times. He mentioned peace once, and Raskin said, that's sort of like you rob a bank, and on the way out the door you say, oh, I believe in personal property, and then you run out with the money. It doesn't mean that you didn't rob the bank. We're talking to Jeannie Sue Gerson from Harvard Law School. Can I stay on this this criminal prosecution for rebellion or whatever it is? As you were just talking to Marjorie, I was reading the 14th Amendment, Section 3. I try to read that during oh, every show if go, I possibly Jim. can. <laughs> and obviously it mirrors the statutory language to a great degree. You're talking about uh, you know, a, a, an office holder of the U.S. or a member of any state legislature shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort, you know, shall not serve or whatever the language is there. So you know what I had never thought about until you said it and I read it in one of your pieces yeah. is that a jury... You know, the, the, what Mitch, what uh, Chuck Schumer was hoping for, and I know the impeachment managers were hoping for, was a conviction. And his tribe told us, Larry Tribe told us last week, a separate vote subsequently by only a majority that could bar him from running for future office. And I naively assumed that it was only Congress that could make the determination to bar him from office. But what I think you're saying, Ginny Sukers, and is if he was convicted of language, uh, of behavior that very closely mirrors the, the disqualifying language in the 14th Amendment, Section 3, that that jury of his peers essentially did what Congress was hoping, the Democrats were hoping they could do, is they that jury could bar him from running for federal office if they determined he'd engaged in insurrection or rebellion. That is what you're saying, right? It is what I'm saying. That That is correct. The federal wow. law on inciting an insurrection does carry that as a penalty. So 14th Amendment Section 3 is one way for Congress to do it. We, we don't think they're going to do so, I think, looking at what happened. But we know that it is still open as a possibility that a criminal prosecution could accomplish that. Now, is it less or more likely to succeed in a criminal prosecution? I think it's less likely simply because at least if you've got the Congress doing something like that, the arguments that this is extremely anti-democratic, that it's de depriving people 
of their choice of elected leader, should the people want to go forward and, and elect him again, that seems more powerful in the case of a prosecutor or a Biden administration try, trying to pursue a, a, an indictment and a conviction under this statute. Um, it seems a little bit less problematic when the Senate does it, and a, a lot of people would think it would be very problematic as it is. But wait a second, but, but it isn't like, if I understand this correctly, it isn't like the prosecutor would say, uh, hey, jurors, we're uh, trying this guy, a former president, for insurrection or rebellion, and by the way, the consequence of a guilty verdict would be that he's barred from office. That's the natural outcome of a conviction, but it's not before that court, right? Well, but it is, I mean, a decision maker here is is the the executive branch official, namely the Department of Justice, that would have to make the decision to indict under this statute. I see. And then to argue and to pursue the case. But they wouldn't have to argue, again, I don't mean to get lost in the weeds here, so my apologies, but I'd never even thought of this issue of a criminal trial doing what Congress was unable to do, which I think was the old, I think the ultimate goal of the impeachment managers, frankly, was not a conviction. It was mm -hmm, only yes. a conviction because they had to get to the conviction, pass the conviction to get to the barring from, uh, uh, from uh, office. So uh, without giving people a headache, yes. you th the, the, pro the jury would know in a criminal trial that if they convicted under the federal statute that speaks to the same thing, insurrection or rebellion, that a consequence of their guilty verdict would not only mean potential incarceration or whatever the penalty might be, but that another consequence they would know would be the barring of the defendant, Donald Trump, from running for federal office. Well, um, the statute the statute says whoever incites uh, rebellion um, shall be fined under this title and imprisoned not more than 10 years or both and shall be incapable of holding any office under the United oh, I'm States. Sorry. Oh, so it's in the statute, not just in the Constitution. No, it's in the actual statute. Congress oh, put it into the it. statute. Got Congress it. took the Congress took this, you know, this idea, which is, of course, in the Constitution, and they codified it into it. Okay. a federal criminal law. Got it. So <clears throat> it is not always the case that, that a, a jury is told exactly what the mm. ranges of punishment are. And that's a that's a controversial issue, of course, because if you think about the death penalty cases where the jury may not be aware that the person will be death eligible if they convict. And then you have issues of you know jury nullification because of that. Um, you know, I think similarly here, if the jury knows that that. By convicting, that means mm -hmm. they're pre pretty much depriving this person of the chance to run for office again. You know that that just that also complicates the whole uh, idea of, of evaluating facts. You know, I wonder what you thought of the lawyering on both sides. There was some criticism of the uh, Democrats that they didn't end up bringing witnesses and uh, that they didn't make enough of the inaction uh, of the president after the riot began. There's been a lot of criticism of of. Trump's lawyer is basically saying he finally found some lawyers that would uh, fill his defense with full of his gr grievances and outlandish claims and stuff. But I wonder what you thought. About the lawyering on, yeah, on, on both, both sides. sides? Yeah. Well, I, I actually thought the lawyering on the um, House manager side was superb. And 
I thought that in terms of the perhaps debatable decision about whether to go ahead and make us make this a longer trial with more full evidence displayed and with witnesses, you know, this is an imperfect world and life is all about compromises. Yeah. And I think that the, it was plausible that we had gotten what we were going to get. And that was the goal. And given that there was going to be no conviction at the end of it, that was very certain at that point, um, it, it made sense to me that you wouldn't drag it out more because you got enough of what you needed and to do it more would be would would incur costs that didn't have clear benefits. So I, I think that that was I think that was at that point the correct decision. And how about uh, Trump's lawyers? Um, they really did uh, cherry pick in a very dramatic way, as you pointed out earlier, talking about Elizabeth Warren saying "fight for health care," whatever she was saying, and um, and making it seem as though people were talking about when they were actually talking about Nancy Pelosi was talking about riots, not riots, but protests about family separation as if she was talking about something else. I mean, it was very, uh, um, skewed. Mm -hmm. Does, is that okay? I mean, can lawyers <laughs> just get up there and make the, I mean, I think of, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I was just kind of stunned by that because they had to know they were, I mean, is that okay in presenting a defense or is that, a step too far. Well, you know, we've been having this debate since the fall, since after the uh, election results were were uh, were out, and then all of the different legal filings in in all of the different courts from Trump's lawyers and falsehoods and uh, ridiculous accusations, frivolous accusations, frivolous arguments, and it's, it goes to the same question you're asking, which is what is okay for lawyers to say. Um, and it is, I think it has become, it, it's one of the sadder things, one of the sad things, not the saddest, of course, but one of the sad things for the legal profession uh, from the last little while that we have seen the lawyering on behalf of Trump actually affect, I think, what it might be okay for lawyers to yeah. say. And just the misleading nature of what what Trump's lawyers have said all along in multiple venues, whether it's judicial venues or in Congress itself, uh, it, it's, it has to have some effect on the legal profession and its norms. Just like with journalism, it has affected our ideas about truth and falsehood in a way that may be quite negative. So I, I just think, I think he has, he has poisoned everything he touched. Well, except the one uh, positive, I should say. By the way, as soon as you mentioned journalism, Marjorie got all excited because <laughs> she was going to start talking about Fox News, which really gets her going. But, but Chini Sue Gerson, uh, there's a proceeding. I don't know if it's called a proceeding. There's something pending against Rudy Giuliani in New York State, which potentially could lead to his disbarment because of yeah. his uh, uh, behavior that clearly crossed the line. And I believe, didn't members of Congress or somebody file actions within uh, uh, bar associations uh, it, on Sidney Powell, that other nut job, whatever his name is, I can't remember. Well, they're the, the, they're the uh, if you can't get something concerning about them, I mean, they're so far out in the extreme, it would seem to me. Well, Giuliani, in addition to, uh, to advancing the stolen election, the big right. lie thing, was also one of the insiders at the rally. 
He was mm-hmm. talking about combat. He used the word combat. Yep. And so I think that's so. I, I, I guess my last question to you would be on that lawyering thing, Ginny Sue Gerson. That's in a pretty important moment too. If any of these lawyers are sanctioned, and if they're not, talk about lack of accountability. That's another invitation for lawyers to argue cases that I thought they couldn't do where they know that the facts are not as they represent them. Well, this is one of those situations, Jim and Marjorie, where um, I don't want it to sound like my making a prediction is that that the prediction is what I I hope will occur or think Mm -hmm. should occur. And so I'm not going to predict that people are going to be sanctioned for their lawyering. Um, coming out of this period, and for for many, many reasons, including that lawyers zealously represent their clients, including, for example, in criminal cases, you know, very guilty clients. And they do not, uh, you know, they may say things that that sound to many people as if they are completely counter to the facts. And they may make arguments that seem implausible, uh, like a big stretch. But we, in the legal profession, um, have some amount of respect for the duty of a lawyer to truly zealously represent their client. And I think that while I may evaluate some of the statements that were made in all of this uh, defense of Trump as really questionable, it, to me, seems doubtful that a bar association or an ethics Mm -hmm group um, with any official power is going to disbar anyone or sanction them um, for those statements. By the way, even if they disbarred them all, Trump could just hire whoever the lawyer is that represents the Four Season <laughs> Landscaping Company, and they could uh, end up. Ginny Sue Gerson, we really yeah, appreciate your we're time. On the that was great. Thanks. slippery slope here. I think it seems on a million different fronts. I'm telling you. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. You so much. Great to talk to you again, Jeannie. Thank you. Jeannie Sue Gerson is the John H. Watson Jr. Professor of Law at Harvard Law School and contributor to The New Yorker, and we very much appreciate her talking to us. Up next, and by the way, we're going to talk again. When are we talking again? Opening the lines again later on the show again. About yeah, but on a different Oh, uh, a different topic. That's about, oh, yep. that's a different topic about school vacation. That's right. But up next, we're talking to the Reverends Iron Monroe and Emmett Price. Uh, we're going to ask them about Trump's acquittal, whether it was a win for white supremacy. Her reverends are up next. You're listening to 89.7 GBH, Boston Public Radio. Can you 